Hello and welcome to Beyond the Bio. Today I'm joined by Joanna Feely, founder and CEO of Trend Bible, a futures agency predicting the future of life at home. As a trend forecaster, Jo and her team have advised retailers, brands, charities, investors and governments all over the world. Joe has been published in The Independent, Financial Times, Retail Week, Radio 4, Marketing Week and Entrepreneur Magazine. She's also won a whole host of awards for being an amazing entrepreneur. Her first book, Trend Leader, How to Spot and Back Winning Ideas, Propel Your Career and Create a Better Future will be published in the summer this year. So pre-order details for that are coming very soon. The reason why I wanted to get Joe on the show was actually a conversation that we had following an episode that came out a few weeks ago with Peter Neal, where we were talking about becoming a non-executive director. So this was episode 21, I think. We will link it in the show notes. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Bio, Joe Feely. It's great to have you here. It's lovely to be here. So today we are going to be talking specifically about non-executive roles. So we had Peter Neal on the show recently in episode 21, for anyone that missed that one, talking about how to become a non-executive director. But I really wanted to talk to you about your experiences of having been one and, you know, the good, bad and the ugly to do with that. So let's just kick off with some key insights into your journey as a non-executive director. What have you been doing in that space? Well, I decided, I think it must have been about 2015, I'd been on maternity leave. I'd managed to find an MD to replace myself in my day job, which was amazing. And I decided if I could take eight months out of my day job, that actually I had a little bit of extra time to do something else to give back. And that coincided with an advert in The Times for charity trustee for an arts organisation. And I thought that really sounds like my kind of thing. It was local. It was something I was really passionate about. It benefited the region. And so I applied and that was really as much thought as I put into it. I thought it was a good way for me to spend my time to get a bit of expertise in being a, a charity trustee and see where it went. And that spanned six years. And I went from being a trustee. I sat on a couple of extra sort of panels for them as well, a couple of committees and sat on the trading, the trading board of, of the arts organisation. And then eventually worked my way up to chair, which coincided with the pandemic. That was when, you know, really the there obviously were questions I wish that I'd asked at the very start of the process, having got to the stage where I was in quite a, a pivotal role by the time the pandemic hit. Being a chair of any organisation, I think, during the pandemic is particularly challenging. But let's just rewind a little bit because you said that you saw the advert in the Times and then you put that in. Can you remember what the application process was like? The interview process, I remember there were probably about eight people that interviewed me, maybe even a few more. So it was, it felt quite intense at the time. And I think that they asked me a lot of questions and I didn't ask very many questions at all, really. And the interview process was you had to put a formal application in, send your CV, and then you were selected for interview. And the board was about 16 strong. So I was then one of the, the 16. And people of all different experiences, you know, different tenures, different backgrounds as you get on a board. So it was a very varied panel. That's quite a big size board, isn't it? 16. Did you still have 16 at the point when you were chairing it? 
Yes, but when I was chairing the trading board, I think we had about eight. So the overall trustee board was 16 and that gives you enough options to pull people down into other committees then. You know, it becomes very challenging when you're starting to get 16 opinions and 16 votes on things. It can become quite challenging. I'm just thinking back to when I first started chairing SmartWorks Newcastle and I had 13, I think, and looking for some. And I found it hard to get everybody along to a meeting at the same time. That was the first challenge. I don't think I ever achieved that. And then I think it was a case of different levels of commitment. And it was very obvious with the board being quite big. And then we're now a board of nine, which feels right. But I think that really depends on the size of the organisation, the number of committees that you've got, because you don't want to have to have everyone on all the committees. So you want to kind of split that out. And we only have two committees. So that is actually, that works quite well for us. Yeah. And I don't know if you experienced this, but certainly on, I've been on, on two boards and it was over the same period of time, six years on each board. And in both instances, there was, a sort of, you know, two hits and you're out sort of rule. If you miss two board meetings, unless it's under extreme circumstances, then you know, the, the idea is that you fully commit. So people tended not to, to miss board meetings because of that. That was the first role that you had. How useful would you say you're a bit of a leading question, but how useful would you say your experience of having run a business and sort of being in the industry that you're in? How useful was that in terms of bringing that across to the non-exec role? Well, I think the first sort of shock that I got was that when you, well, first of all, when you run your own business, it really is up to you how you do things. And I think I'd been doing that for a very long time before I then joined a board. And it shocked me how used I'd got to being able to have an opinion, have lots of ideas. And when you work in an executive role, you can do all of those things. But as soon as you move into a trustee role or a non-exec role, you're not there to do that. So as an ideas person, I found that very difficult to not raise my hand constantly to have ideas, to contact the exec team outside of board meetings and formal meetings, to ask them, have you done this? Have you done that? And, you know, I learned that over time. And as I got more mature and more used to my role and I could see other people come into the board and do the same thing, I think I realized that that's just part of what you have to work out of your system when you join a board. There was a lot of learning in those, particularly the first three years. So I did a tenure of, of three years and then you have a renewal process and you can stay for another three years if that's approved. And I'm really pleased that I stuck out the six years because the learning and the development in those first three years only really came good. In the latter three years, I delivered most of my value as a board member and trustee in the latter three years. And I just was so you know, impatient at the start to add value and to be involved. I was very enthusiastic about being involved. And I really, I actually got a great piece of advice from one of the board members who, she was a lawyer, she was very experienced and she had a lot more experience than me. And she said to me when she left the board, don't be afraid to take a quiet space on the board. Don't be afraid if you're not speaking very much, if you don't feel like you're speaking up a lot. And I felt like I was very quiet those first three years. I didn't have enough experience yet to add value. It was really reassuring for me for her to say that to me and say, don't panic about it. Your time will come. You'll add more value as you learn more about the organization and learn more about how to be and behave on a board. And it was so important to have that permission from her because I really respected her. And I think that woman, you know, from another woman to say that to me, she really got where I was at. And I was kind of not panicking about the value I'd been adding in those first three years, but I just didn't feel as vocal as some of the other board members. I felt that I was quite quiet and I felt that because 
because I was an ideas person and I couldn't voice those ideas, I didn't know what else it was I was there to do. Do you think as well there's something around just working out how it all works? Because especially with a charity, they have such different governance processes and procedures and structures and just ways of doing everything to how it would be running a small business. I think you've got to find your way a little bit. You know, my first proper board role outside of a business was on Age UK Northumberland and I did that for five years, maybe six actually. And it was quite a big board with very experienced. I was at that point the youngest person on the board and and felt inexperienced because that, that was my first one. And I remember being pretty quiet to the point where the chair sort of pulled me aside after the first or second meeting and said, are you all right? You're very quiet and you're not normally quiet. And I said, actually, I'm just taking it all in. And in hindsight, I think what would have been useful and maybe what I would recommend to other people who are joining boards for the first time is probably to pair up with somebody that is more experienced, that's probably quite old school experience, just around learning the ways of doing things and what's the etiquette and what's acceptable. Because some of the more procedural side of things just used to throw me a bit. And I think that was what actually held me back from contributing. I'm like, at what point do you speak and how much do you take on and how much do you volunteer to do and all those sorts of things. You're right. There's no other way to get that experience than to actually do it. And I think for people who are chairing boards, it would be really nice if they were able to say from the off, I understand that you we've brought you in maybe because you're inexperienced, but you actually represent a sector that we need to hear from. But we will give you the space and time to get used to sitting on a board. And I think when it is your first experience, it, you're right, it's a, a completely, it can be quite a bewildering experience. And it's very formal often. Um, certainly one of the boards that I was on was extremely formal, much more formal environment than I'd ever really been in. I've been in as a business owner, other people boardrooms, large corporate company boardrooms, but it just was a really different experience when you're charged with that amount of responsibility and accountability. You feel like you want to immediately contribute and you're right. I think it's a good idea to say, I'm going to learn. I'm going to sit back. I might not be very vocal. Um, Take the opportunities before the meeting starts to have a coffee, chat with people and build the bond with the other board members for sure, because then they know that you have got a voice and you will speak, even if in the meeting itself, there isn't an appropriate or useful thing that you want to say. I think that's great advice. And something I would add to that that's just kind of popped into my head there is that quite often, especially with charities, there's a timeline around board approval for things. And if your meetings are not that frequent, so my current SmartWorks meetings are once a quarter, which they didn't used to be, they used to be more frequent, but we're in a place where we can do them once a quarter now. And If we've just missed an approval for a trustee, then they can't technically start, you know, they might have another three months before they would start. So what I would suggest to people that are going through this process for the first time is actually, if they're in that situation, to seek permission as to whether they can go to the next board meeting, but as an observer, which actually is the best of both, because then they can sit there and they can't really say anything because they're not officially part of the board as yet but actually they can just observe what is going on and really pick things up and identify the personalities around the table and so important. And actually the other board position that I took, I didn't intend being on that board. I was asked to be an ambassador. And I think this was an organisation that recognised at the time it had a mostly male board and an older board. And it recognised that when the next set of 10 years were up, they would have to do something about the diversity of that board. And so in preparation for that, they asked me to be an ambassador and to go along to the odd board meeting, to understand the organisation and to spread the word of that organisation. And quite quickly, I think after about maybe three months, they said, actually, what we really need to do is change the board. We need to get some additional board members in here. So have you finished both of those roles now? Yeah, I finished both of them now. So have you got one at the moment or are you, no. are you looking? 
I'm not actively looking. I have been asked to apply for a couple of things. And it's interesting that once you, I, I would advise you think really carefully about the first board position you take because then you get offered other ones really like them. Mm-hmm. So because the first one was an arts organisation, I get lots of arts organisations coming to me and asking me to do that. And I feel like I've sort of, I've done my bit there and it was very interesting, but I wouldn't want to sort of repeat that. And my role has changed in my own business as well. So I feel like now is a time to apply myself to that. And that was really why I was keen to not extend my tenure past six years, because it's time to sort of bring some of that knowledge back into my own business, if you like. And I've got more to do now. So with both of those, you did six years, which is the two, three year terms. I think that in itself says a lot about your commitment, because quite often, I think particularly with voluntary or charity roles, people just decide the can't be bothered anymore or they've they've not got the time or whatever. But I think it's really important to show the level of commitment that you stick to the term because actually it's a real commitment. You know, when you're on these boards, you're usually registered at Companies House, you're usually registered at the Charities Commission, one or the other. And it's really important that you actually treat it seriously and commit to doing that. And like you say in that first example, you know, those first three years were kind of finding your feet and contributing but in a different way. And then it was the second stint where you got to really get stuck in. So with both of those roles, what was the time commitment like? And did that change between being a more ordinary member of the board versus being a chair? What was the time commitment? It started out, both of them were quarterly board meetings. But we all know there's more to it. Yes. Yeah. And obviously (laughs) you've got your papers to prepare beforehand, which used to take me a long time because again, I was very thorough. And I think when you do start out your inexperience, you want to read every single line and make sure that you've highlighted things. And I used to get printed out board papers, highlighters, make sure my questions were pre-prepared as well. So that if I felt that I couldn't say something in the session, I'd pre-prepared some questions. But then then of course the pandemic hit and you know every organization pulled in every bit of help they possibly could and I went to monthly board meetings for both organizations and it became a lot more hands-on. It was a big ask and the challenges were for all of us enormous anyway weren't they but I think you know I really felt the pressure to be in a pivotal role, governance role, running charities and important organisations through a pandemic and making sure that they were still going to be there when that pandemic was over. It was a big ask and I probably learned more I think I learned more through that phase than at any other point. But luckily, I, I was a bit more experienced at that point. So I became chair of the arts organisation, I think, in November of the 2019 or something like that. You know, so I just sort of... And I, I, it took some persuasion, actually, from the exec and from some of the other board members at the outgoing chair of the trading board to get me to take that role because I didn't necessarily feel like I was quite ready for it. And they all said to me, you are absolutely ready for this. You can definitely do it. And we want you to do it. And that actually gave me the courage to do it. And of course, by the March, a few months later, you know, the organisation was shut, closed doors, and we had to start thinking about how we protect a workforce, how we secured the safety of a building, all sorts of things that were, you know, I knew about the the organisation. I had a bit of experience by then, but really in a a completely different way. I had to understand what it was going to take to safeguard it. Great opportunity to kind of really problem solve and react to things and plan for things for the future, I guess, that can actually be applied back to your own business and vice versa, I guess. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest challenges in all board positions I've had and in life in general is that I'm highly reflective. So I don't always have on the spot solutions. 
as I would, I would, I would like to, but I often need a period of time to reflect on things before I make a decision. And I think that's the thing that I found most challenging. And of course, in the pandemic, you needed to be highly reactive, making decisions in the moment. And that was a massive learning curve for me because it wasn't how I had been choosing to make decisions in my own business. I'd always say to my team, you know, if they came up with a challenge or an idea, give me 24 hours and I'll, I'll get back to you. Well, we all know in the pandemic, we didn't kind of have the luxury to take 24 hours to make a decision. And often in a board situation, you are being asked to vote or think about or decide on a topic that is really important and needs to be done now today. And I found that really, really difficult. But it, it is possible if you are highly reflective to sit in those roles. You just have to get really comfortable with listening to your gut and being as informed as you possibly can about the situation, making sure you ask lots of questions and sometimes asking if there is, is there more time? for me to think about this before I come back with an answer. So if someone's listening to this now and they haven't had a non-exec role before and they're thinking, ooh, I would really like to explore that, what do you think would be a good starting point for them to work out you know, what to apply for? Because there's so much out there, isn't there? And like you say, there's a danger of falling into that trap where you go for the first one and then you're pigeonholed with those sorts of opportunities. What advice would you give someone that's at that point in their journey? I think definitely pick something that you're really passionate about. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You know, I was passionate about the arts and I was passionate about the Northeast and about sort of independent retail and culture in the city centre. So both of my board positions fulfilled things I was deeply personally passionate about. So I think that's probably a good place to start to investigate because when the chips are down, you will need to lean on your love of that topic area to get you through because sometimes it can be extremely challenging and demanding. So I think pick something that you know that you're going to love, that you're very passionate about. Yeah, I mean, make sure that you have prepared yourself with the questions that you have. And I wish that I'd asked more about what is it? Why have you asked me? Why have you, you know, even outside of the interview process, once you've got a role, why did they pick you? I think I spent quite a few years in the early years thinking I've only been picked because I'm young and I'm female and I've sort of ticked those boxes and people want more younger females on boards. And so therefore I undervalued the real reasons as to why people wanted me there. Um, so get really clear on, you know, what 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 viewpoint was it or what expertise or way that you conducted yourself was it that made people invite you in for that role in the first place? And that's such great advice because then it gives you the steer as to what you can contribute quite quickly. So that would be helpful. And I think your point around applying for stuff that you're really passionate about, not only is that going to make it easy for you to get offered the role in the first place, and you know some of these roles are really competitive, so you need to be able to demonstrate that passion because that's what people want. They don't want someone that just sees it as a CV filler. And then back to the, the point that I was making earlier around the commitment and committing to the term, you can only do that if you love it, right? Otherwise, it just becomes a job that potentially you don't even get paid for, that is just a, a drain on your time and your energy. So I think that's really wise advice for sure. And the other thing I would say is that because I've had experience of being a trustee and being a chair, they're really, really different. And actually being a chair for me was brilliant. Like it, it suited my personality type better. I was able to look around a boardroom and notice when someone had something to say and couldn't quite get their point in because somebody else was over speaking. I was able to 
to kind of be very sensitive to the issues that people wanted to bring to the table. And so I actually made a much better chair than I did a trustee. And so I would say that, you know, if you find that you would consider yourself more introverted and you think, oh goodness, that sounds really an intimidating environment. And it can be sometimes when you feel like you can't contribute and you maybe aren't as vocal as other people are. But I actually only came into my own when I was a chair. And I feel like I was a really good chair because of that introversion and because I could take a step back and I was concerned with other people's contributions so I could make space for the right conversations. So don't be deterred if you feel like you're a quiet person and you've got a good expertise, like you will still be of great benefit in a boardroom. And it might just be that if you can get through a couple of years to learn that actually you'll be a brilliant, brilliant chair later on. And I think on that point, it's worth once you join your first board, looking for those opportunities to kind of take that step towards being a chair. So whether that by being a deputy or a vice chair or whether it be taking a lead on one of the subcommittees, there's quite often a head of whatever subcommittee. So that's always a great opportunity to just develop those skills so that you're ready when the chair role does come up. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So if anyone wants to connect with you, Joe, where's the best place for them to find you? The best place is probably through LinkedIn. So I'm just Joe Feely on LinkedIn. Awesome. And we'll put a link to that in yeah, the show notes. and Instagram as well. We've got our Trend Bible account on there is a good place to follow too. Fab. Well, we will pop some links so that anyone that wants to can connect with Joe. And thanks for coming on the show. It's my pleasure. Thank you for listening. If you're serious about growing your profile, take our free profile assessment quiz to see where you're at right now and get hints and tips on how to improve your score. You'll find the link to the quiz in the show notes. If you've enjoyed the episode, it would be mint if you'd subscribe, like, and leave a review. See you next Monday.